Sometimes you gotta stop hiding from yourself. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Tyravera. That's right, it's Unbothered by Tyravera, and clearly I have not done my hair. Anyway, this terrible hairstyle has been brought to you by Carla's Homemade Salsa. Carla's Homemade Salsa, the absolute best salsa in the world. If you guys want to check out Carla's Homemade Salsa, you definitely should. It's in the description box down below if you want to find the link to her Etsy shop. Mention that I'm the one that sent you. If you don't know, this is Ty Rivera, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. So I said I've been hiding from myself and really it's because I haven't wanted to record an Unbothered because things have been going really well. And one thing that happens with me that I don't think people really fully understand is a lot of times when people think I'm being the most inflammatory, I'm actually just talking. Like for me, I set this up, I go ahead and put on my stuff and I just talk usually for an hour. And an hour, I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to yourself for an hour, but it's not hard for me to fill up an hour at this point because I've been doing this for so long. And even though I take breaks here and there, it's kind of like something that I'm used to. But then at the same time, if you just let yourself talk unfiltered for an hour, you'll end up saying a bunch of things that apparently people find offensive, like the truth. And um, I'm not going to pretend that that's like a big thing for me. But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, can everybody stop overreacting to me just telling the truth? Can everybody stop acting like it was such a violation that I just told the truth. This isn't the mafia. Like when it comes to the comedy scene, I know people will try to act like you're not supposed to say this and you're not supposed to say that. Why not? Because people that don't matter will get upset. People that have been pretending to be something that they're not are going to get mad at me. Like here's the deal. I do stand up. Most of the people that are in the world that I'm in do stand up on some level. So... If you're not really doing what a stand-up is supposed to be doing, and I call that out or I decide to talk about it, I don't see how that's a me problem. I think that's more of a you problem, and you should probably step it up, and then I wouldn't mention you. There are bunches and bunches of comics that I never mention on my podcast unless I'm saying something positive about them. So if you've caught my attention in a negative way, that's on you and not on me, and I'm not going to pretend that that's something that I've done wrong because I said, hey. You've been doing the same set for the last 10 years. I think you might have that set down. You don't have to come out and do that set that nobody cared about anyway. Like, nobody cares about a lot of the sets that I talk shit about, you know? Like, the people that I've mentioned more recently with doing the same sets over and over, namely Jocelyn and Gooch, that's what it is, you know? And so had they never mentioned me, had they never tried to make a thing about me being out, I never would have mentioned that they kept doing the same sets over and over. So I don't know why anybody got mad at me. Uh, John Hilder, that's one, if you guys aren't familiar, he ran the Hilarious 7. I mean, like I did Hilarious 7 all the time. And I bring him up specifically because I was at Dirty 1230 on Friday night, which I've been out a lot more, not only because I'm working on my stuff, which if you see me out, you'll see that I am working on a lot of new stuff. And a lot of times, not even I know what I'm going to say when I get on stage. I just do it. And it is what it is. So nobody can accuse me of doing the same set over and over the same thing over and over. Once in a while, I have something I think is, 
you know, a place that I want to make an impression. Like I went to the Wise Guys open mic last Tuesday, which Wise Guys is a comedy club that has like several locations, mostly in Utah or only in Utah until recently they set up here in Vegas. They had an open mic. I showed up to it. It was a really good time. But I felt like, you know, even though I've done Jordan's Landing for them and then I performed in their comedy festival, which is called Gold Spike, um, five years ago, I think it was now. Uh, I felt like, you know, I should do an actual set for them. And even though it was only three minutes, I really just popped it for that three minutes for them. And it was super fun. The other comics that were there were super fun. I had a really good time watching. I mentioned on Facebook the next day that this was no shade towards anybody because it's really not. But just in a three minute set, you need to get to the laughs faster. And that would be advice that I would give to any comic that's going to be doing three minute sets or a three minute set. Like, get your first laugh within the first 30 seconds, whatever that be, uh, you know, whatever it's from, just get your laugh within the first 30 seconds so that the audience will trust you, then that'll be easier for you to go through your next two and a half minutes. So that would be my advice on that. Uh, I mentioned John Hilder because here's the deal with that. John Hilder runs Hilarious 7 or ran Hilarious 7. Hilarious 7 is no longer going. And... I called him out publicly on Facebook because he was doing dirty behind the scenes shit. You know, like me and John Hilder never had a problem. I took him on the road a couple times with me. There was one particular situation where he messed up, but I forgave it right away. And then he had a problem with me texting and driving at one point. And I was texting and driving. I was in his car. You know, we were riding together. We were in Sacramento, I believe. And uh, he mentioned me texting and driving, and I was like, well, I'm booking these gigs right now. And then he was like, well, then why did you just mention a guy on Grindr? And I was like, because I'm doing both. And then I was like, but if you're not comfortable with me texting and driving, I definitely get that. But that means that you have to drive right now because I want to handle this business. Because that was the most important thing. Like, a lot of times, people see me on my phone a lot, which I am on my phone a lot, you know, whether it's doing social media, stuff like that. But the other thing that happens strictly through my phone is my booking. I handle business with my phone. So at that point, I was trying to book us a gig, which I did book us. It was for that same week. And it was when the world was about to close down. You know, we all knew everything was shutting down. That was what, March 17th or March 16th, something like that. That weekend, um, you know, 2020 was when I was like, okay, you know, this looks like it's closing down. And so I was trying to book this gig because this woman had hit me up and said, I didn't know you were in this area. I can set you up with this bar that I'm trying to make some money for last minute. And it was going to pay me really well, you know, really well for a one night at a bar uh, at the end of a weekend. And so I was 100% down to do it. I wanted to negotiate it so that John Hilder would get a little bit more money. And so that's part of what I was handling in that situation. I set it up so we didn't have to get a hotel room, but that also meant I had to set up with the club so that we could stay at the comedy condo for an extra 12 to 18 hours, whatever it was. And so I was able to set everything up the way that I needed it to, but, you know, it did take him having to take over the driving. It wasn't like we had some huge argument or anything like that. That's literally the way it went. I was like, okay, well, then you're going to have to drive because I need to handle this situation because this is actual business. So he went ahead and took over the driving. We had no problem. So then after that, 
uh, I came back from, you know, we came back and then we were friendly throughout the, you know, the shutdown. He had hit me up about a mask at a point. He said he was having trouble getting a mask. And this was when everybody was having trouble getting everything. You remember that point. And so I told him to come by my place because a friend of mine had brought me a couple masks. And I told him to come by my place and I had a brand new mask for him. So he came by my place. He picked up his mask. I did his show, Hilarious 7, when it was at Notoriety. There's even video footage of me doing that show. Like I said, we had no problem. Me and John Hilder, between us, had no problem. So then everything happens with me calling everybody out, which I... I'm very glad that I did call everybody out. I don't regret calling people out even a little bit. And I will continue to call people out when they do things that are just dirty pool. That's what it is. And I've said that over and over and I stand by that. I am definitely going to continue to call it out when people try to pull dirty shit because none of this should be happening the way that it's been happening. You know, if people were to actually look back on this and when people do look back on this, because I do have faith that a lot of these, even though right now they get, what, an average 200 to 300 views, I know that eventually these situations will get bigger, whether that's from me just continuing to do better and more and more people having interest or just from people getting hip to the fact that these things are happening on the biggest comedy scene right now because bigger and bigger comics are seeing it all the time. Bookers are seeing it all the time. Like people are not aware of the level of people that have been paying attention to what's going on here in Vegas because of me. You're welcome, Las Vegas. I am making things better just like I told you I would. And yeah, it means I have to take some hits here and there. It means that some people are going to disparage my name. It means that I get gaslit a lot. And if you don't know what gaslighting means, that's when you basically try to convince somebody they're crazy. And that's what people have been doing with me on this scene. I mean, like I go out to have a good time. I go out to hang out with other comics. I go out to work on new material. And people try to convince everybody, including me, that I'm going out for trouble. Well, since I've called everything out publicly, it's left it where it puts a microscope on people walking up to me. So when people walk up to me, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, a lot of people pay attention. They're like, okay, is this going to turn into a thing, you know? And it never turns into a thing because that's not the way I'm coming at it. So then it's on the other person to look crazy because everybody's watching the way that I'm handling this situation. And I know people are watching me because they think that maybe the things that they've heard are true. But more and more people are starting to see that that's just not the case. It's not like I just went out and started shit to begin with. It was a matter of somebody trying to steal one of my jokes and I had gone to them and then I ended up having no choice but to call that out publicly. So then when I had other people trying to bes besmirch my name, which included Jocelyn Sharp and Gooch, I went ahead and called them out. That pissed other people from the old guard off, which would be John Hilder. And so when Hilarious 7 came back, what happened was uh, I was told because I'm friends with the people that run Hilarious 7 because I've been doing that show for the two years that I've been around this scene. So uh, I had been told by them that Hilarious 7 was coming back. I didn't know this, but apparently I knew before Hilder did that Hilarious 7 was coming back. And they had told me to go ahead and hit Hilder up to get a spot on the upcoming shows. 
And I was like, you know, John Hilder always hits me up when he's ready. And also, I don't want to hit him up before he officially announces and have him feel like, um, you know, what would that be? Like helicopter, you know, like a helicopter. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to make him feel like I'm on him like that. You know, I'm letting him do what he has to do. And I didn't like I said, I didn't know that he didn't know yet. And so I would have looked weird hitting him up and being like, hey, you're going to get your spot back. So book me. So I didn't hit him up right away. Then he made the announcement on Facebook like a week or so later. And then I sent him a text message saying congratulations. And then I did mention something about like, you know, I was told to hit you up about spots. And he said, I'll get back to you when I get back to booking, when I get to the actual booking. And I was like, OK, so no problem. So then uh, he books the first week and he announces that he's booked the first week. He didn't hit me up like he said he was going to, but I'm still not tripping. It is what it is. And uh, I hit him up a little while later because some people had hit me up like they do because people hit me up all the time to let me know that they're going to be in town because everybody knows I'm in Vegas now. So when comedy fans or people that I've met from my travels and, you know, just being on the road or even just friends hit me up, they'll usually be like, where are you going to be performing? I'm going to be in Las Vegas. And so I had some friends specifically hit me up on one of my comments and it was a public comment and they were just like, where are you going to be? We're there on Wednesday, there through whatever day. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, Hilder's show was running Thursday through Sunday. And so I can make that work. And they weren't going to be there that week. It was going to be like the following. So he had plenty of time to book me. So I hit him up to let him know. And I was like, people, I have people that want to come out. I have people that want to pay to come see me and so you know uh for me it just seemed like it would make sense that he would have me on because obviously every everybody's trying to sell tickets now because we came out of a shutdown so people are trying to concentrate less on the guest list and more on let's actually get paid tickets that's what a lot of people are doing or we're trying to do i don't know if that's what everybody's still trying to do now i've heard that people have had a little more trouble uh selling tickets recently because everything was selling out for a while there you know that's just the way it was going after the shutdown it stopped but now i hear it's leveled out a little more so I hit Hilder up and let him know that, you know, I had people that wanted to come out and pay and he didn't get back to me. He completely didn't respond to me, which again, you know, like, yeah, I'm beginning to be like, is Hilder part of that crew now? Is he trying to pull that where he's not trying to book me uh, stuff? And I showed up one night to because uh, Uber Uber is the way it's pronounced, but he's like a performer that I've known for a long time. He's more of an acrobat. He comes from a generational circus family. So, you know, he comes from a family of performers. He's very entertaining. He's very fun. I used to do his show Comedy and Dolls, which was at Notoriety. If you pay attention to my social media, you'll notice or you probably have noticed that I've done that show several times. I was a regular on that show. And so Uber, I had called like, you know, a friend of mine, Chris, 
And he was like, I'm having dinner at Uber's house right now. And then he was like, I'll call you back later. So I was like, cool, you know, and then he was like, Uber wants to say hi. So Uber gets on the phone. I start talking to him and then he's like, why haven't you come out to Hilaria 7? And I was like, oh, because Hilder hasn't booked me yet. And he was like, you should come out tomorrow. I'm going to be on the show. And I was like, all right, well, I'll come see you. So I go see Uber. Every single comic on the show comes up to me and hugs me. Hilder hides from me literally doesn't say hi to me because you know we made eye contact when i first walked in doesn't say hi to me doesn't greet me in any way uh even though every other comic on the show that night walks up to me hugs me we chat it's like a good time i'm a good audience member if anybody doesn't know what i'm like when i show up at shows i will be a fun audience member i will clap i will laugh i will hoot i will holler i will do everything it takes to be a good audience member not only because these are my friends that are on stage but also because i just love stand-up so if something makes me laugh i'm gonna let you know that i think it was funny you know so I had a really good time as far as being an audience member went, but I was like, okay, so Hilder is being weird with me. I get it. So I hit Hilder up again, uh, like a little while later to let him know that I have another group that wants to come out and pay and see me. He doesn't respond to me, right? And so I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, not tripping about it. Um, but at the same time, it is annoying because it's like I've got, paid people that want to come out and see me. I don't want to try to redirect them anywhere else. I don't want to try to take them off the strip because, you know, like there's a chance that I could have set something off strip up. But a lot of the people that come to visit want to stay on the strip. That's one of the things with Vegas. And yeah, uh, Hilarious 7 was at the Alexis Park, which is kind of off the strip. You know, well, it's definitely off the strip. It's on like Paradise and Harmon. But it's close enough to the strip and it's right near what they call the fruit loop here, which is the gay section. And so there's a good chance that people will come to it and not even a good chance. If I tell people to come to it, they're going to come to it. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but when I do something, usually people will come out to see me. I, ha I did a show the other night and I had never worked with this particular promoter before and I had a really good time at it. But the thing was, uh, they had trouble getting people out to that location. There were maybe 15 people in the audience at this particular show. It wasn't my show. I was added last minute. I wasn't even on the flyer, but that was because the flyer had been made before they booked me. And so I wasn't tripping off of that, but it is what it is. I wasn't on the flyer, so I wasn't able to promote it the way that I would usually promote something that I'm headlining or doing. I did headline it, but what happened was... 10 of the people that were there were there for me. They were my people. So 10 people showed up for me way north town, if you're not familiar with Las Vegas, north Las Vegas, uh, very much north Las Vegas, out there in a, like a corporate, like a business center, you know, a business park, corporate, I don't remember what they're called, but you know what I'm talking about. And so, uh, you know, that's what an industrial area. And so that's what, you know, which we'll talk about that in just a second because some of these places are charging way too much for drinks and I am not on board. But uh, let's stick to the one story. So what happened with Hilder was um, at this point I began to realize something was going wrong. I went and hit up my friends at the show and was like, you know, this is what's going on. I have This is the second time 
that I have people that will pay to come out and see me. And for some reason, I get no response. So I get told by one of the guys that um, they had approached Hilder about it. And Hilder had said that other comedians won't be on the show if I'm on the show. So I'm like, that's not true. And the guy that I was talking to was like, well, that's something that you should address with Hilder because when it comes down to it, it's up to him who he books on the show. So, yeah, we do produce the show, but at the same time, it is his show. So he gets to handle the booking. He's in charge of that. We don't handle that. So, yeah, you are a part of the show as far as we go. We've always seen you as a part of the show, but... If he chooses not to book you, then that's between you and him. So that's something you have to deal with with him. And so he was like, I think you should just come down and talk to him. I think you should talk to him person to person. And I said, "Okay, that's what I'll do then. And I was like, can you give him the heads up that I'm going to go ahead and come in tonight before the show? I'll come in around six because the show starts at seven. I was like, I'll come in around six, even though I really didn't want to have to. And it was the day after I had been battered by Gooch. So um, I really didn't want to have to do that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, if that's what I have to do to straighten this out, then I'll go in and straighten this out. So that was the plan. So I hit up another friend of mine that, you know, is a mutual friend of the two of us. And he was like, Hilder is really intimidated by you. So you should text him or call him and at least give him a heads up that you're going to come out because he's really intimidated by you. And I think it might get a bad reaction from him if you just show up. And I'm like, what's he intimidated by? But okay, because apparently every comic in Las Vegas is soft and can't handle a conversation. So I go ahead and send Hilder a text message and I just say, you know, I'm going to come in tonight. I don't know if Chris told you, but I'm going to come in and chat with you. So if you could make some time before the show. So Hilder hits me back with something like there's nothing for you to come in about. There's nothing for you to come in for. We have nothing to talk about. I'm not booking you on my show. And so I was like, why would I not get booked on your show? And he said because he has trouble finding six comedians or five other comedians or whatever his thing is. Uh, I think he said six comedians that would be willing to work with me. And I was like, the night I came into your show, every single one of the comics gave me a hug. So that's not true. I was like, tonight, your lineup, there's not a single person that would have a problem with me being on the lineup that you have tonight. And then he was like, fine, then it was me. It's me. I, I, it's been me all along, and I would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. But so he says, fine, then it's me. And then he goes into this thing about how he thinks I'm a toxic person and I'm volatile. And I'm like, um, one of the people you have on the show, right, or you had on the show last night had assaulted me the night before. So how is it I'm the volatile person? And so he tries to bring up something about, you know, a post that I put up on Facebook where I had when I was looking for a comedian to work with that uh, I had said that every other comic that I brought on the road, I haven't, you know, had the best experience with. And I wasn't even thinking about Hilder when I posted that. Like I... <laughs> 
That was like to me, Hilder wasn't a regular opener for me. He opened for me in Sarasota, Florida and Sacramento twice. And that was for two reasons. One, because it was, you know, convenient for us to go to Sacramento together. Sarasota was the first time I took him anywhere. And that was because I felt like with him producing a show or being the booker of a show that a lot of times people only see him in that way. And they think that, you know, he's not eligible to go on the road or he wouldn't want to go on the road so I figured I'd throw him a bone you know and take him on the road but if you want to know why I didn't end up having Hilder work for me long term or become one of my regular features it really was because I've told you guys before I like my features to actually make me work and nothing about what Hilder does makes me work he's been working the same set for at least three years now and we had a full shutdown. There was a pandemic and he may have added one like pandemic reference or one joke about like mask. But outside of that, he has no new stuff. He's still doing the same set. He was at Dirty at 1230, which is the biggest weekly show in all of Las Vegas. He was there just this Friday night. I was there because Kabir Singh wanted to see me. Uh, you know, me and Kabir had been messaging back and forth. He wanted me to come out. So I was like, all right, I'll come out. And then Tino was on the show. Tino Boombaye on uh, <laughs> what's it called on Instagram was there as well. I knew he was going to be there and I wanted to see him because he's still like working his way up at Dirty at 1230. And so I wanted to come in and see that. So between Kabir and Tino, I was like, all right, I'm going to go out to Dirty at 1230. Well, it turned out John Hilder was on the show and John Hilder is still doing the same set. It's like, okay, we get it. You have that set down. You can work on new stuff. And the whole time I had him on the road, you would think, you know, that I'd see something new during the time we were on the road together. No, there was nothing new. Any of the shows in Sarasota, which I think we did five or six shows in Sarasota. There was nothing new. Any of the shows in Sacramento, which we did only like four shows, I think, or five shows in Sacramento. And yeah, his set is an A to B. It's a decent decent set i mean like i don't know who's aiming for decent but okay it's a decent set uh so it is what it is so you want to know why i didn't end up having you on and why i don't think of you as one of my actual features because you're not that's one thing we haven't gone on the road enough together for you to be my regular feature and you don't make me work so that's it you don't inspire me and that's why i didn't choose to have you you know continue to work with me but I wasn't thinking about him when I posted that about not getting along with people I was talking about my shit with all the other you know shit storms that I've had happen on the road and to me it was just a funny way of phrasing it like like my thinking with a lot of this stuff is how do I make this announcement entertaining and how do I also own the fact that I haven't had the best experiences on the road. And if people want to blame me for that, I don't even care. Like I don't, it's more about the joke for me than it is about the words. You know, it's more about the silliness and acknowledging. And I think that that's why a lot of people still fuck with me. Because when I said people would try to gaslight me, people would try to gaslight me all the way down to like trying to make me believe that people don't like me. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants to be around. Well, really? Because when I go out, everybody's around me. So I don't know what this nobody likes you is about. But, you know, I guess if you're going to try to convince me of what my reality is, okay, I guess we can do that. Hopefully you have some success with it. Because 
I don't think it's going to work when I actually know what it is I feel off of people more than even what they say. To tell you the truth, there's a lot of the people that have fucked themselves by taking a side, which I told everybody, just don't take a side. I'm not asking you to take a side. So when somebody does ask you to take a side, like say Gooch or Jaws or any one of them ask you to take a side, I would just be like, yeah, I'm staying out of that completely. It has nothing to do with me. I hope you guys figure it out. I wish you guys luck, but it has nothing to do with me. That's the way I would handle that because right now that I'm out all the time it makes it so these people that have said that they wouldn't talk to me and these terrible things about me terrible things about me none of it's true so how terrible could it be um but you know these terrible things about me have now painted themselves into a corner where they look like liars if they come over and talk to me or if they're even around me so now you fucked yourself and i'm out having a good time and you're having to be a sideline hoe because you're not comfortable coming over and talking to me when really I wouldn't care if you did come like, you know, in the same circle I'm at. People have done that. People that I don't get along with have come into the same circle that I've had within the last week or so. And I don't give them a hard time. The other night, Gooch was at the show I went to to support because I told Billy Ford that I would go to his show. If you guys aren't familiar with Billy Ford, Billy Ford is cool. I'll end up talking about him at some point, maybe today. But um, Billy Ford is cool. We are friends. And a couple weeks ago, he asked me to go to his show. I hadn't been to the first one. I didn't get to make it because I was booked somewhere doing something. There was definitely something going on that night. So I wasn't able to go to the first one. This was the second one. It was at a place called the patio. He asked me to be there. And so I was like, yeah, I'll be there. And Gooch turned out to be there. And there was no incident. You know, I didn't make a thing of it. I didn't pull a, I don't feel comfortable because the last time I saw him, you know, like that would be a valid, I don't feel comfortable. You know, like these people are uncomfortable because I said something about them on my podcast. That's when people say they're uncomfortable with me. It's because I said something about them on my podcast. It's not because of anything I've done. This person physically attacked me and I still didn't pull a, I, I'm not comfortable with him here. I, I feel like you should ask him to leave. No, I don't care. He's there. He's there. So, you know, there was a point where he was leaving and he was saying goodbye to everybody like a politician because as much as people pretend that they don't pay attention to the things I say. When I said the thing about Jaws and Gooch wanting everybody to kiss their ring, I know that it hit home for them. And I know that it made a lot of the other comics that are out on the open mics like, yeah, why do they act like that? Because they don't say, I've had so many people tell me, look, I'm not on your side, but I will tell you this. This is literally what I hear regularly from different people. I'm not taking a side, but I will tell you this. Jaws and Gooch have never talked to me, never acknowledged me, never said hi to me. When it comes to you, I see you at Mike's. Not only do you talk to me, you'll give me advice. You're cool to hang out with. Sometimes we smoke together. You know, like this is the way I am because I'm an actual comic. It's not something I have to try at. I don't have to make it a point to shake everybody's hand like a politician at the end of the night. Uh, the other night I did an Irish goodbye at Champagne's and I had a bunch of friends there, but I just didn't feel like going through to say bye to everybody. And Claire Hawley was leaving me, which if you're not familiar with Claire Hawley, well, you should be because I had her on an episode a couple weeks ago and I'm going to have her on another episode, even though she left me because we recorded one and I still need to edit it. And that one I wanted to save. But Claire Hawley has left me. She hates me. I hate her, too. I don't give a fuck about that bitch. Just playing. I love Claire Hawley. 
and I'm in support of her leaving because she went to Chicago and she's young and she's pretty and she has her whole life ahead of her. And I am 100% for Claire Hawley getting more life experience and getting to see what the dick is like in Chicago. Let me be honest. I've had some good dick in Chicago and there's no reason that I would deny a friend of mine, especially to be as selfish as, no, Claire, you should stay here because we're friends and you hang out with me. And meh, 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 meh. I mean, like, you know, I love Claire. But if you really love somebody, then you should want to see them grow and gain life experience. That's the way I see things. So she even mentioned, you know, and this wasn't to do with me. I wasn't like, she was like, oh, I don't want to leave you. She was like, you know, I'm just, you know, feeling a little weird because I'm going to be leaving Las Vegas. And, you know, she has her friends established here, me included. But she has her group here. And I was like, I gave her a pep talk. I was like, you know, I told her basically what I said right here. I was like, you know. You're young, you're pretty, you're funny, your dad's a lawyer, so it's not like you're going to go broke, you know, because you keep these things in mind, you know, you want to make sure you're not setting your friends up for failure, but when your dad's a lawyer, it's almost fail-proof, you know, unless he fucks up, you're probably going to be all right, or unless you do something to piss him off, which I would never recommend, you know, keep, keep daddy happy in every situation, but um, Claire left me and so I don't remember where I was going with that. But anyway, my point is like I am an actual comic. So like, you know, people see what it is I'm like and I know that it struck Gooch that, you know, I mentioned that and me even mentioning that, you know, that he and Jaws are the type that want everybody to kiss their ring was because of all the times I've heard people tell me that. And I never think about that because even though people may not like me, the truth is like Jaws and Gooch both used to just kiss my ass. That's what it was. They were both always like, oh my God, you're so good. You're so funny, blah, blah, blah. But it's because I had done more shit. And then I pissed them off by talking about tricks. And well, I pissed Gooch off by talking about tricks. And then Jaws wanted to be, you know, a good henchman to Gooch. And so when Gooch told him, told her whatever, then she decided like you know I guess I can't like tie either and so it's like all right I get it it's cool um but at the same time you know I can definitely let everybody know that the emperor has no clothes if you're pretending to be the emperor and it's you know and if it's true if you're naked then you're naked and everybody's gonna notice that so anyway Gooch was on his way out made it a point to shake everybody's hand on the way out really did look like a politician if anybody had, had a baby he would have kissed it a hundred percent and so he, uh, Mike Fager, Faverman was sitting on this side of me, AJ Rivera, no relation, but new friend of mine. And I really like AJ Rivera, just such a positive guy. But anyway, new friend of mine, AJ Rivera was on this side. So Mike Faverman is here. AJ Rivera is here. And so Gooch comes up to say bye to AJ or to Mike and AJ. And, you know, I just kept looking at the stage because Penny Prince was on stage that night at that point. And it really did like Penny Prince did an impression of me, which nobody ever gets me 100 percent when they do impressions of me. But Penny Prince's impression of me was the best impression I've ever seen done of me. And it really was fun. And he was like poking fun at Unbothered and the top five that I did and stuff like that. But, you know, it was it was like what roasting is supposed to be because like he wasn't being rude but like roasting they say you only roast the ones you love so usually roasting even if people are kind of taking the piss out of you uh at the same time they are you know uh 
like honoring you at the same time. And so it's fun and it's good. And so I had a really good time with that. You know, that ended up happening like right after Gooch left. But, you know, I mean, like, I don't care. I'm not trying to trip off of, you know, Gooch being there or him saying bye to the people that are next to me. There wasn't a conversation with the people around me afterwards where I was like, well, you know, he really is. And it's like, no, you talk to who you talk to. Besides, I need everybody to make moves because the thing with me and all of this shit that people really should take with them is that I want to see the Las Vegas comedy scene become the world-class comedy scene that it actually should be. So as far as the friends and the people that I hang out with, being able to network the way they have to to get to different positions and to get to where they need to be and talking to people that I I don't necessarily get along with, I'm still fine with that because that's how you make moves in this business in a lot of cases. I personally am blazing my own trail and the people that are with it are with it and can be with it and help me out and the people that aren't don't have to be. But, you know, I'm letting people that are around me and I don't say letting like I'm letting them, but I'm not trying to impede them doing what it is they need to do to get to where it is they need to be. You know, I'm not going to be that person because to me, that's negative. That's a negative force. Last night, I did the hard hat, which is a new open mic that they're doing on Mondays. I think it starts around 10. They want it to be a late night open mic. And I really like that spot. Well, Jordan Perry, who was part of my top five, Amir, a miracle, who was also part of my top five. Um, they run that show. And then it turns out they run that show with Adam Dominguez. Well, I've talked about me not necessarily liking Adam Dominguez. I showed up at the show. It's an open mic. I did a set. Adam Dominguez, to his credit, didn't make a thing about that. And I respect that, you know, and I'm not going to bad mouth or say anything you know as far as I go me and Adam Dominguez at this point are neutral so I don't have any problem with him and I'm not trying to start any static trying to catch any smoke with Adam but like will I hang out with him no I'm not feeling that big about it but at the same time you know it's what it is like me and Adam will have to coexist because I don't think he's leaving the Vegas comedy scene. There are certain people that I choose not to fuck with completely. And that's what it is. But, you know, like anybody else should be willing to behave like a professional and just do what needs to get done. But anyway, what I was trying to get at with the John Hilder situation was he ended up losing his show right after that. And it was because he had no ticket sales. Like it didn't make sense financially to keep his show going and keep dropping money into it. And if he had been smarter, because, you know, Let's talk like just quick, the most rough numbers. The show I did the other night was $25 a person to come in. It was uh, 10 people that showed up for me. So that's $250. John's show, let's say it charged, I think you could get tickets for $17.77 was what you could get tickets for. And so if you do that and just make it a you know $17 ticket in your mind, then obviously that's $170. Well, he pays each one of the comics on that show. I believe it's $25. There's six comics on the show. So $25 times six is what? Like $150? Is that what it would be? Like it's $150. So, you know, if I just made you $170 and then you you know, you have $20 left over to spare, which, you know, at least then if your show is going to close down, 
you can be like, well, at least maybe I am not pulling in the kind of numbers that you want me to pull in right now. Maybe I'm not selling the show out, but at least I'm starting to make some money and you can see that there's growth because a lot of times if you just throw a little bit of growth, a little bit of initiative, then your show is going to keep going. And I'm not going to say that my situation was a big part of it, but I'm sure that it does factor in when the people that run your show know that you have an opportunity to not only make money off of a comedian that's actually good, that usually closes out your show, has been part of the show, has never made any kind of drama in the show. Because as much as people will try to talk shit about me, you can't say that I go around having drama at comedy clubs. It's just not the reality of the situation. I prefer performed in so many comedy clubs and had no incident at all. So when people make it seem like that, it's like, no, you confuse my social media with my actual professional behavior, which, yeah, I'll get into it with people on social media. That does happen. I'm not going to deny that. That's happened in front of everybody. It happens less and less all the time, but it has happened. So if people want to say my social media is a mess, fine, say that. But nobody can say that I don't behave professionally at the shows and especially hilarious seven, even when I was getting along with everybody, which was a lot of the time that I was doing hilarious seven was when everybody was in love with me. That's what it was. When I came to this town, we had definitely had a honeymoon period. Don't try to lie. Las Vegas. We really did have a honeymoon period, but when the situation was, even when I was getting along with people at the best, a lot of times I would just sit and be completely quiet in a corner. Cause that's what I do a lot of times. People also mistake me talking a lot on my podcast for me talking all the time in real life. And that's just not what it is. In a lot of cases, I am off by myself in my own world, thinking about my set, thinking about what I want to do, thinking about what I want to talk about, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, that's when that's what you're dealing with, you know, a person that's really good on your show, doesn't cause any problems and is willing to sell some tickets for you and you're like, no, I'm still not doing it. Well, now you just look like a bad business person. So of course you're going to end up losing your show when it's not making money. You refuse to make an effort to make money and you try to use the excuse that none of the other comics will work with him. Well, everybody knows that's not true. And plus comics are scabs and leeches. Even me, to be honest, you know, like if I'm on a show with someone that I don't like or I don't care for, I just don't have to talk to them. I'm not going to be like, I just completely will not do that show. There's maybe one or two people that I would tell, you know, because I really don't appreciate their antics and it's not even uh like petty shit it's just like i don't want to be associated with those people at all which takes a lot for me to say that but there are people that i'll just but i am not gonna you know put the booker in the position of don't have them i'll just tell the booker like you know book me on another one if you have them already booked don't cancel them or anything but just Put, the, put me on another one. Or sometimes that'll happen where I won't even say it, that that's the reason. And I'll just, you know, come up with an excuse to not do your show. And so, you know, but that's like I said, there's like two people that I feel that way about. And outside of that, I'll perform with anybody. And so will most of these comics. So don't give them a choice. Why are you giving the comics that much power in the first place over your show? Like, I won't do the show if Ty's on. Okay, well, then don't do the show because you don't sell tickets anyway. So, and that is something that's been going on since before shut down me arguing with anybody, any of that stuff. I have been consistently having people come out to see me in that show. And when people come out to see me in that show, I will have them get tickets rather than guest list them. 
because I know everybody's trying to make money. And I know that when my friends come out, like if one of my friends ever hit me up and was like, hey, I'm broke, I need some laughs, I would definitely get them into a show. But that's not the way people come to me when they come to Las Vegas. Usually they're like, we're having a good time. We want to come out and support you. Let us know where we can be. They want to spend money. So I tell them where they can go to spend money, you know. And so, you know, so do I think that that played into his show shutting down? A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm sure it played into it. And so... You know, when I show up at uh, Dirty at 1230, which I didn't know he was going to be on the show because they don't announce. And that's something nobody can act like I knew who was going to be on the show. I knew, like I said, Tino and I knew uh, Kabir was going to be on the show. And that's because I speak with both of them and both of them had told me. So that's how I knew they were going to be on the show. It turned out Ron Vi was in the show. Ron Vi absolutely killed it. Nothing against anybody, but Ron Vi had the set of the night. It was amazing to watch. I love Ron Vi. And so I was very, very happy to see that because like, and Ron always does well, you know, every time I see Ron, he does well, but this night he just, he just had him, and it was, it was amazing to watch. And I was glad I was there to witness it. And so, you know, I really did enjoy seeing that. But then I went to catch some of Kabir's set and this girl heads towards me and I'm not thinking anything of it. And then she like takes down her mask and it's John Hilder's wife, which I don't hold what anybody does against their spouse, partner, friends. Like I said, I'm just not like that. So when I saw her, I was happy to see her. We've always been friendly. We always chat. And so, you know, when she came up and she came up with the bright smile and everything like that, she had a different hair color. So I can honestly say, you know, because she's kind of, she's a white chick, so kind of nondescript. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but just, you know, like for me, I told you guys, I don't have the best memory. So it's not like I right away would have recognized that was his wife. Actually, she could have looked directly at me with her mask and I still wouldn't have known it was her because she looks like a lot of white chicks to me. Um, and then, like I said, that's not an insult. It's not me being shady. I would say that even if like it hadn't gotten uncomfortable. Um, but so she takes down her mask and I was like, oh, hey. And so I gave her a hug like we hugged and chat like that. Or I started our chat and then she was like, but really, I was kind of annoyed because I wanted to watch Kabir. So I really didn't even want this conversation to happen at all. And even under the best circumstances. But I'm going to treat you with respect. So she was like, you know, hey, I've missed uh, your face. And I felt like, okay, well, your husband's the one that doesn't book me. So I don't really know if you miss me as much as you say, but whatever, you know, and I didn't say anything about that. I just kept it to myself. I was just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, good to see you. And then she was like, you know, I understand that you and John have your thing and I didn't have a problem with any of that you know any of what's going on but when you called him out publicly that's where I was like and that's what she told me that was a quote and I was just like yeah well I wish I hadn't had to call him out publicly I wish she hadn't made me call him out publicly and then she was like yeah, well, you know, you guys have your own issues. And I was like, no, we really didn't. And then she was like trying to convince me that we had had some kind of issues. And then I was like, oh, I have no doubt that that's what he's told you. I have no doubt that this is what he's told you. But the fact of the matter is we both know that we haven't had any issues. And that was just about him trying to be you know, cool with Jaws and Gooch and let him know where his loyalties were, let them know where his loyalties were. 
So, you know, I don't know why we're even discussing this right now. And that's what I told her. I was like, I don't even know why we're discussing this right now, because clearly you don't know what our relationship has been. And then she was like, well, you know, he's told me. And I was like, yeah, I have no doubt that these are the things he's told you. But that doesn't mean that that's what it is. You know, she was like, well, there and I was like, I took Hilder on the road. I was cool with Hilder. I was always nice to Hilder. And then she was like, well, there was the thing with the um, texting and driving. You were driving his car. And I was like, yeah, I know how that went down. And I immediately let him drive. And that wasn't an issue. And then she was like, and then there was a thing that you said about, you know, that you going on the road with people like when you were looking for a comedian and ended up being Ralph and you said that you going on the road with people hasn't always turned out the best. And he, you know, took that a particular way. And I was just like, that had nothing to do with him. You know, that that was the second time I heard about that because he also mentioned that in my text exchange with him that I had said something about that. And it was like, that had nothing to do with him. I don't know why these two think that that has anything to do with him, but it didn't. But okay, so, you know, why am I listening to you is the way I really felt about it. And it took a lot because I've said that I'm not going to lose my composure. I'm not going to yell at people. And I was very proud of myself because there were points in that situation where I felt like, why are you bothering me, lady? I was not going to bring any of this up to you because I don't consider you to be a part of this. You are not a comedian. Don't come to me talking about something that like, would you how would you feel? And this is directed at Mrs. Hilder. Uh, Jamie is her name. How would you feel if John went to your work and started talking to somebody that you work with about a work situation that really he knows nothing about? Would you be cool with that? Or would you be like, why would you do that? You don't even know how it works around our office. I get it. I get it that it's pissed some of the wives in the periphery off that they used to like to just hang out and they see what I do as just a cool place to hang out. But that's also part of the problem. Hilder doesn't look at this as a business. Hilder looks at this as just like, a place to hang out. And yeah, he was getting paid for doing it when he did Hilarious 7, but he did nothing to advertise his shows. He didn't care about whether or not people promoted the fact that they were going to be on the shows. He didn't change the flyers ever. There were so many things that he didn't do for that show. And so for you to come up to me and act like I am you know, in some way responsible for what your husband feels or what he was going through or why what happened is your husband thought his show was going to go on longer than it went on. And he thought that he was in a position of power, which I always tell people, be careful about that. Whenever you think you're in a position of power, you're probably not. It's probably only going to last so long. And so you know, I could have warned him about that. But what happened was he thought he was he mistook himself for a powerful person in Las Vegas. And then you take that away because there is power in that. I'm not going to lie and deny that when people run rooms, there is a certain amount of power in that people will be able to use that as a negotiating a bargaining chip to, you know, get different things to get shows to get on things to get booked. And so, you know, that that's true. But your husband thought that that was going to last longer. And so now he's proven his loyalty to the people that consider themselves to be the old guard, the, the powers that be. He's proven themselves to him. And then he lost his show. 
And now he doesn't have any power at all. And now the people that he put his faith in can't do anything for him either. And he hasn't been working on his set for at least the last three years. So now you come to me because everybody knows that I am good at what I do. And even though people have tried to make it seem like people don't like me, they actually do. And he ended up having to be lonely a couple of times. I saw him out a couple of times, you know, where he had shown up and I was hanging out with everybody and he had already fucked himself. So he had to like stay in a corner and he lasted like 10 minutes and then had to leave. And then that happened again that same night somewhere else. You know, it was L.A. Comedy Club and Dirty 1230. And so, you know, it was not this week, but it was a couple weeks back. And so, you know, I get it. Your husband fucked himself. He picked the wrong pony. And I told her, you know, like if John ever wants to apologize to me, he's welcome to come up and apologize to me. But I'm not going to pretend with you or him or anybody else that things went any other way than they did. We're going to be very honest about what it is that happened. So when John's ready to apologize, he's welcome to come over and apologize to me. I'm open to it. I said I'm open to apologies from all of these people. But. We're not going to pretend things went away other than the way that they went. We're not going to pretend that we had problems that we didn't have. I'm not joining in on that because then that's me being a part of gaslighting myself because I know that that's not the way that it went down. You know, I did your shows after we had the texting and driving. I did every show you put on after that. So I'm not, I gave you a mask after that. You came specifically to my house to get a mask. Like, I'm not going to pretend that that's the sequence of events or the way things went. So it is what it is. I don't care about John Hilder. When he's ready to come say hi, he can say hi. But honestly, he's not a good enough comic for me to really give a fuck about him either way outside of that. And that's 100% the way I feel about it. So if anybody has feelings, they have feelings. Anyway, um, this is getting close to the end of this episode. My friend Cindy friend of the show, friend of Bijou. I think Cindy really watches for Bijou at this point. But Cindy Calderon sent me a package, and I haven't opened it yet, even though it got here like last week. And I was like, I'm not going to open this till I record because I do want to, like, you know, say thank you to Cindy publicly. And also I get to do a little bit of an unboxing. If anybody wants to send me anything, you can always send me a message. And if I like you and I know who you are, then I will tell you how you can send me something. If I've never heard of you, there's a good chance that you're working for one of those rats that doesn't like me, and I'm not giving you any personal information. So good luck with that if you're being stupid. Let's see what Cindy has sent me and Beige. Oh, the soon-to-be-never sponsor of Unbothered... The soon-to-be-never-to-be a sponsor of Unbothered by Tyra Vera, Play-Doh Treats. Um, I'll put a link for that down below in the description box if you want to get your own Play-Doh treats. I have a story that goes with this brand, and I really do appreciate this brand. Thank you, Cindy, so much for sending these. These are Bijou's official treats right now because she's not doing Whimsy's Alligators anymore. So you will see an Amazon affiliates link for Play-Doh treats down below in the description box. So she sent two of these. Thank you, Cindy. Skittles for my cheat day. All right. Thank you, Cindy. I definitely do appreciate the Skittles. A little toy for Snoopy Bijou. The Bijou got up to see what it is. She's so 
bitchy when I give her toys. But thank you, Cindy. Bijou says thank you. Look at that, Bijou. It's squeaky time. And then, let's see. This book by Richard Bach, it's called One. It's a novel. So I'm going to look forward to reading that. I will actually make, oh, it's in nice big writing so I can actually read it because I've discussed it a little bit before, but I know I have an undiagnosed uh, learning disorder. Like I, I'm, when it comes to reading, I'm not. And I need to be more comfortable just saying that more often because I think a lot of times people shame themselves. But I think my mom, because when I was young, you know, like young, young, because I was raised with my sisters, um, I was, I, it took me a little while to, for the other kids to warm up to me, especially the other boys. And when I was young, I know it's not like that now, but like boys and girls would separate. And since I had been raised with sisters, I would play Barbies and stuff like that. And so it led to the boys making fun of me when I was little. So I had trouble integrating. And so I think when everything leveled out, you know, when I was little, I got, I guess you could say bullied and ostracized when I was very little. I think it made me a stronger person, though, so I'm not really tripping off of it, but it's there, you know, but I learned to integrate really well. And I learned, you know, like people fell in love with me pretty soon after that. I just had to learn how to navigate all of it. But um, my mom saw that rough part that I had, you know, because she was my mom and that happened when I first went to school. So when it came to, you know, me not being the best with reading, when it came to certain things like, you know, that um, maybe could be considered, um, I guess, defects, <laughs> for lack of a better term, uh, I I don't think she put me in special classes or had me get taken care of the way that maybe I should have because when I was younger you would be seen as a retard which I don't use that word to be hateful and people can get mad if they want to I don't give a fuck most people aren't watching this late in the episode anyway but um my mom didn't want me to go through the extra struggles so I didn't take extra classes to fix whatever was wrong and then when I got older a friend of mine was like well it really sounds like you have some form of dyslexia and I guess he had some form of dyslexia so that's why he knew and so I never bothered to get tested though because like you know I get by doing what it is I have to do but anyway um that was a lot of story to just say you know like uh I'm appreciative for the bigger letters and the fact that this book isn't going to be it doesn't look like it's going to be hard for me to read so thank you Cindy and then Cindy also sent this book Illusions the Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah, an inspirational classic of profound and enduring wisdom. This is also by Richard Bach. I am excited to read this. And let's see. These letters are a little bit smaller, but, you know, the font's a little bit smaller. But I will be able to read it because it's not like it's just too many words on a page will really fuck me. And I don't, and I have to read it a million times, like one line to, for it to make sense. And sometimes I can't make it make sense. That's, I share a lot on my podcast. <laughs> and something I don't need to read, um, my brain doesn't have to work at all to have sweet tarts and these ropes. 
Cindy, you pay attention because you know that these are my regular road food. These will also be getting taken care of on Sunday. I got to hide these Skittles and sweet tarts from myself for Sunday. I don't know if you guys know that I do that, but I do do that. And then Cindy sent me a letter, a quick little note, which I'm not going to read publicly. Um, and I just opened this right in front of you guys. So I didn't know what was going to be in there. It could have been sex toys for all I knew, but I figured Cindy wouldn't be the type to send me sex toys. Um, so it was kind of a risk, but uh, thank you so much, Cindy. Bijou says thank you as well. I cannot tell you, Cindy... How much I appreciate your positivity over the last three years. i pretty sure it was three years ago, 2018, when I was with my ex, Christopher. I think you were with me through that relationship. And you have honestly been a source of light in my life. And I know you know because we DM sometimes. And sometimes you give me pep talks through DMs. And sometimes I'm not the quickest about responding and I know but that's even with my own family but I want you to know Cindy that me and Bijou sincerely do appreciate you and um you sent some great stuff but it's like you know my mom always told me when I was younger the same mom that didn't get me taken care of with my reading but she always told me when I was younger that is the thought that counts and like just sending anything is like more than I could I could even ask for anyway but to be so thoughtful in the things that you send and actually pay attention to kind of the things I say and my social media that way I really really appreciate you so I end unbothered on that note maybe I didn't finish the story maybe I did um, my, my main thing with the Hilder's wife situation is nobody approached me about anything unless you just want to apologize or like, you know, like something like that. But I don't want to like, I don't go out to make anybody uncomfortable. Nobody come make me uncomfortable. When people say like, you know, I'm not comfortable with him here. That's what they're worried about is that I'm going to confront them. Well, let it be known. I'm not going to confront anybody. I don't feel like I have anything that I have to confront anybody about and nobody should confront me about anything. Let me live my life the same way you all want to live your lives. So this has been Ty Rivera, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. Stay unbothered.